0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I am Bill Price. And today, we are going to start our uh, What Have We Been Playing segment of the show with a a great game that apparently no one can buy. (laughs) So, Billy, you want to jump into what that one is?
1: Yeah, it's a mystery. It's a mystery of a game. It's a game called Zombie Bus, which a buddy of ours at Game Group uh, picked up, and yes, that's bus like school bus. Um, and he picked it up from Gen Con uh, from a booth, uh, French company called Sweet Games. And they're very French because they sold him the game <laughs> and then they said, and here are the English instructions separately. So um, the game comes with the French instructions. So um, so we played this game and it's basically uh, it is we're all teenagers. Uh, basic, we're kind of rip-offs of the Scooby-Doo gang, which, yeah, and there's even a dog called Creepy, um, and so there's a Fred character, and a Wilma, and a uh, or Velma, and uh, and all those, but they're, they're named different stuff, like Steve, and Bruce, and whatever, um, but they're, it's very cartoony, and the idea is that there's a zombie outbreak, and we're on a school bus, and we are trying to rescue a whole pile of cheerleaders who have different point values. Um, and we're killing zombies at the same time. So the idea is to save all the cheerleaders before the zombies overrun the school bus. It is super clever in mechanisms. It's uh, it's all dice. It's these big, chunky, yeah, really uh, satisfying. custom dice that just feel... I mean, they're oversized and they, they feel great. And... Um, and they're beautiful. The production quality on everything is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you would think this is a fantasy fight game or something. Um, it's not. Uh, but we we played it and we like really liked it. We won. We we had a really good time. And everybody left going, "This is really cool." And I went home to try and buy it, and I can't find it anywhere. Like it's not ranked on BGG. There's no reviews on it. There's uh there's no publisher website that I can find. It's not available on Amazon, <laughs> eBay, and the the geek market, like nothing. So um, I know it exists because I played it. But other than that, I have no idea how you would get a hold of it. So I don't, we're not going to spend too much time on it. But I did want to tell everybody that it was a really fun game. <laughs> and if you do see it anywhere, for some bizarre reason, like maybe if you go to France or you know, another huge convention and you see it, pick it up, pick it up because, uh, it's, I think you'll really enjoy it. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I, I strong second. I definitely agree, uh, with all of that. It was such a fun game, very unique the it's co-op, but they're also, it doesn't have a trainer mechanism, but you can basically abandon everyone and go high. The news van can show up. And you can go run to the news van and hide in there. And basically with the intent of if everyone dies, you can still tell your story and get notoriety and fame. Yeah, that That
1: is weird. because It's it,
0: ridiculous. There is that alternate
1: way to win. Yeah, you just abandon your friends, go to the news van, and you just wait. And if everybody dies, you win. <laughs> um, but if somebody, if, if they win and you're in the news van, um, then you lose. Yeah. So uh, we, nobody ever went to the news van in our game. We just beat the ass out of these zombies and uh it was a lot of fun uh we rescued cheerleaders and the day was saved but uh yeah that that is a really weird (laughs) it's a weird mechanism uh i've never really quite seen anything like it where you just like run away and sort of just watch the other players and hope they die like that's yeah I don't know if that's just... (laughs) It's so funny. It's such an odd thing. I don't know if that's a French thing or what it is, but uh, I'm sorry if I offended anyone who's French. You're really getting...
0: uh, I mean, you are gathering points. I mean, it's co-op, so you are getting rid of all the zombies, but you are getting individual points. And so why you would be on the, the news van is you could keep the points that you have, and then you'd have points to score at the end of the game, but also you're just surviving. But yeah, it's such a ridiculous option, and... It uh, fits the theme, or it fits the uh, the feel of the game, which is very, like Bill was saying, very comic-y. But yeah, just really satisfying, very unique. Uh, these zombies, it's straightforward. You're rolling dice to damage zombies. You can damage them, but if you damage them a certain amount, then they will be attracted to you and start charging you. The more zombies you have in front of you, the less you can do re It's like Yahtzee rolls, you have a couple of re-rolls, but if you have zombies in front of you for each zombie, you get one less re-roll. So you don't want to attract too many zombies in front of you, but uh, when you kill a zombie that's in front of you, you get Resources or supplies from them. But if you kill a zombie that's near the bus, you just get the points and nothing else. So you do kind of want them to get focused on you, but not too much. So it's a fun balancing act um, that you're all playing together because you can also attack zombies that are in front of someone else and get those points from them. So you're kind of snagging points from other people, but they might want you to because they're getting swamped. Right, but
1: you have to spend a die uh, that's on a uh, unique face. Yeah, you to, have to uh, burn a
0: die face to get to that. In order to, to help that. somebody yeah. else. So.
1: Yeah, it's uh, overall a very cool game. Uh, Good luck finding it. And uh, on to the next.
0: Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) You said it was 2018, right? So hopefully it's something that has kind of been simmering, and we'll see more of it or hear more of it. But uh, it was really great. Um, So the other thing uh, we played, uh, Bill and I played a quick round of this, and then I played a little bit um, earlier with my wife because we just started... Getting into it, actually, I was inspired by the third game. Bill will talk about after this one. Um, uh, I played Dice Masters uh, Marvel. I have the set that I have is the Age of Ultron Dice Masters. Um, I got the starter set a long time ago, and I played a little bit with my wife, and we liked it. But it was kind of like we kind of just got distracted by other things um, for whatever reason. Because we're big fans of Netrunner, and played a lot of that together. Uh, But I realized recently that I think we might have been playing One Rule Wrong, which changed everything about the game. And so I brought it out again, uh, and we started playing again and really, really enjoyed it. So I've been kind of on a Dice Masters kick. Dice Masters is a two-player game. Uh, It's 1v1. You basically have a... You can recruit a team, and there's untold amounts of sets at this point. It's just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I am. All yeah. the Marvel characters, Very all well the DC supported. characters, Dungeons & Dragons, um, Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, Spider-Man, or Spider-Man, well, there's Marvel, but T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So any any character sets uh, you were probably interested in, there's probably something out there. But uh, comic book focused. But anyway, so you're gathering a team, and then of those teams, you are recruiting the basically uh the character power into your dice bag and then you're pulling out dice and rolling them and then firing off actions at your opponent and they're blocking with their team and then trying to um basically it's this battle royale feel and it's just really fun it's fun to play with the dice and it's just fun and quick little two-player game
1: yeah i'd um i played it years and years ago like once um i don't didn't remember anything about it we pulled it out um from the outside looking in, it kind of had a really strong, like, Magic the Gathering feel to it. Sure, yeah. In that, except with dice, uh, where there's it's this, like, player against player, and you have, you know, um, henchmen or characters that come in between you and the other player, and they can attack the other player, they can defend you, um, that sort of thing. So it, it kind of had that, that vibe to it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think that it, uh, it does have a little bit of a learning curve. I'd agree though. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Right off the bat, it seems like it should be like ridiculously easy and intuitive. And I, I don't think it's really either one of those things. Um, but once you get into the, the rhythm and, and, You know, you don't have to second guess, okay, what does this do? And all right, what does this value mean? And how do I get those die? And can I do this? Uh, Once you get past that and just sort of get into the vibe of the game um, and come out of the mechanisms and into the theme, uh, it's a lot of fun. So um, Dice Master is available pretty much (laughs) anywhere and (laughs) everywhere. And you can get it on Amazon or Cool Stuff or Miniature Market or probably your local game store
0: yeah um, one caveat i would add to um, i totally agree with that actually though i think that's kind of what shelly and i it's hard to get my wife into games and so like i think that's kind of the reason why we shied away from it for a while is it just if you, you got to play a few times not that many but it, it does take a couple to kind of be like okay i get kind of the interactivity here of what i'm going for right. um but uh one thing i would also add to that this is a collectible card game and i would just say do not Get caught up in that. Don't worry about that. Choose whatever. (laughs) The great thing about Dice Masters is they sell uh, starter sets, which is more than enough for two people to get into the game and have a lot of character options to build different teams to play several games. And if you like it, then buy some booster packs, or you can buy a bunch at a time these days, and they're very cheap. But I would say what I did is I have the starter set of Age of Ultron, and I bought... Um, a bunch of booster packs because it's an older version and they no one wants that one anymore. And I do, I do. So I bought it and got a got a cheap bunch of them. I would just choose the theme you like the most. If you like Guardians of the Galaxy, get the Guardians of the Galaxy set. If you like Spider Man, get the Spider Man set, uh, starter set. Play that, and then if you want to add on to it. Onto it. Get some booster packs, but do not try to collect them all. It's a trap, and (laughs) it just makes the game not fun, in my opinion, actually, because then you're obsessed about it instead of enjoying the game.
1: Yes, and that's how I think uh, a lot of people got and still kind of get with Magic is that they spend so little time actually playing the game that all their time is spent looking for certain cards or trying to complete this collection and you're never going to complete it obviously um but it's it's always there this obsession with the next thing rather than hey let's have fun and play this game yeah so and, even, and like i, I could see this or, yeah i yeah. could see this getting the exact same way
0: yeah i've had to talk myself down from a ledge <laughs> with this game and just like well i, I really want that and so that's it and it's just like no i've more than enough so many options to play and it's really fun even the base Common cards are very well made in design, and you can build really exciting team uh, setups with uh, with very minimal cards. So check it out, though. It's definitely worth a, a gander. Uh, and then Bill's going to talk about the game that inspired me to get back into Dice Masters that we played. Yes, and this
1: is a game that was on uh, my list a couple weeks ago of games that we Uh, That I own, that I've never played, that I want to get to the table. And this was uh, Marvel Legendary, the deck building game. So it's based on the Legendary system. It is a true deck builder in every sense of the word. Uh, You have a starting hand that sucks. And you use that sucky starting hand to (laughs) buy better cards that go in your discard pile. When you're done, you shuffle everything up. And eventually those better cards start making their way into your hand um so you are it is a co-op fully cooperative game where you uh each are you know basically start out as shield agents you have a whole handful like 15 shield agent cards uh some of them have damage on them some of them uh have recruit points that allow you to purchase uh heroes that are on the board as well there is a mastermind villain Uh, and a bunch of his uh there's a villain deck outside of that that has like his henchmen and uh, other minor villains and other major villains and things and also mixed in there is like bystanders and uh, master strike cards which when a master strike card is pulled the mastermind does something terrible to all the players and um so the uh as, as the turns progress, more villains come out, and eventually they, they move to different parts of the city, and eventually they can escape by overrunning the city. Uh, they maxed out, so they escape, and you lose points for those escaping. You can also, uh, there are some masterminds that win if a certain number of villains escape and things like that. There's also a neat thing called uh, Scheme, Schemes, uh, and these Scheme Twist cards that come out. And so you pull a scheme, which is basically kind of determining some extra rules and guidelines for that particular game, usually win conditions. Um, And when a scheme twist card gets pulled out of the villain deck instead of a villain, then something happens. Um, In our case, uh, the heroes were all cleared out of the central hero buying area and moved to knocked out so um that went through the player deck pretty quick and the lose condition for us was um if we don't win by the time the player deck runs out uh the hero deck runs out then we would lose the game we did win the game um we won fairly handily i think um we did not play an overly difficult villain or on a very high difficulty rating. Um, they do have ways, extra cards you can put in and, and more of certain things uh, that will allow uh, a higher difficulty rating. So um, it can stay challenging even once you're really, really good at it. Uh, all the cards were, I think there was a real good variety. Um, I bought the basic, I have the basic big box set. Um, so there was, uh, what is it, 15 heroes
0: and... Yeah, that's, that sounds right.
1: Yeah, 15 heroes and like 12 or 15 bad guys and I think uh, like five or six masterminds. So there's quite a bit of variety and you can pick and choose and do different things. So it's uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think thought it was really fun. If I'd have known it was this fun, I probably would have played it prior to, you know, now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it... Uh... I, I, yeah, I had a fun time with it, too. Like I said, it inspired me to jump back into my <laughs> um, game that's similar in feel. But, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. It really felt cool. I liked uh, Dice... Ma- so, just to draw a comparison. Dice Masters, you're starting with your team, and then you're going to head against another team. This game, you're cooperatively kind of recruiting your team as you play. So, the, the characters are going to pop up in play, just to clarify that. But, no, it's such a fun game. The Legendary system is, is pretty... Pretty great. I've now played two games in the system and both of them have been different but also very well made and um, have run really well. I'm really excited to try that with a different villain or much more difficulty and see how that plays out as well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's very typical for a deck builder there was nothing in there that was like what i've never <laughs> seen that before um which which is good because it's intuitive to people who've played deck builders before it's easy to get into um i thought it was a lot more intuitive than dice masters was as far as like sure, once yeah, you think. start out the first couple turns you're like oh, okay i get it and it was a lot easier i think to get into the theme right off the bat because you're i mean immediately just buying these heroes and playing them, and there's these villains coming out that you recognize from the comic books, and so there's there's a lot more like interaction and a lot more, uh, oh, what are we gonna do? And uh, yeah, the camaraderie between like the players and everything. I think I, I really like the um, the co op feel there. I'm not a necessarily a, a gigantic fan of um, like head to head battle games. Sure, um, yeah. Direct conflict isn't a. Huge huge plus for me i'll play conflict games but um i i kind of prefer uh, if i had my druthers i kind of prefer co-op or um like multiplayer solitaire type games um so, but, uh, I, I really, I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. So if, uh, I know I'm super behind the times cause this shit came out like <laughs> five what? plus years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, Oh yeah, go get it. But, um, You guys it, heard about these Marvel movies yeah, that have been coming out what? Like So it, it actually is really fun. Um, I've heard good things from Kaz about the other legendary,
0: uh, Yeah. I played aliens, but the other ones so. that I have played also really enjoyed it. Yeah. They're all, they're all great. And I've heard, they really capture their themes really well too. So they're definitely worth checking them out. But specifically the Marvel one is really good if you like comic books. Yes, agreed. All right. So All right. M- next we're gonna jump into a topic. Billy, you said you wanted to you got some ideas on this topic. I think it's yes. I can't wait to jump into this.
1: Yes. Um, this is a big one. Uh, last week we and this may have come across wrong, and I'd like to apologize in advance. Um, or I guess it wouldn't be in advance, it'd be <laughs> in, hindsight. in hindsight. Um <laughs> It seemed like there was a, a, a inadvertently a lot of negativity coming from us about um, people who are fans of like prototypical older school board games like Monopoly and Risk and Clue and things like that, and uh, and I didn't necessarily I don't think either one of us meant anything negative towards those games or those people because this hobby owes everything to those games, mm-hmm. and those people are. The future of our hobby. I mean, the people who are like, "Oh, I had great. I remember great things about Monopoly." Right. Those could be the people who get into Catan, who then get into Scythe, who then maybe are the next big designers, or at least buying the next Euro game. Yeah. So um, certainly not meant to uh, disparage those people. And what what made me kind of. Think about that was I was reading uh, a lot on Twitter, and I read an article. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know who it was by or what, but uh, basically talking about the dangers of um, all this negativity towards the older board games, uh, specifically like disparaging Monopoly, because people have good memories of these games, sure, and yeah. it's what makes people curious about the hobby now. And may may draw them into it is hey I remember liking this so much as a kid I want to try and see what else is out there and when the first thing they hear from people like us is board game snobbery like Pff, Monopoly right. that's stupid you're stupid then then that discourages them from from getting into our hobby and the last thing our hobby needs is is uh,
0: more it, elitism. <laughs> yeah.
1: It, we don't need barriers yeah. to to the hobby. We need we need to be more welcoming. So, um so what we have decided to do is rather than talk bad about any games, um we have compiled some uh, a list of some games that uh, would be good ones to recommend playing with people who like certain games. So, uh, Friends, let's go ahead and kick it off with the big one, Monopoly.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we also compiled a little bit of uh, blurbs of the history. The history of these games are pretty fascinating. And if you ever have a minute and do some searching or... It's just... It's actually pretty amazing um, how long some of these have been around, how much they've influenced, and how many people they've influenced over the decades. Many of them decades, pushing like 80 to 100 years. Some of them are getting close. Some of them way more than that. But... um, Anyway, Monopoly, so a little bit about the history. So Monopoly's got a fascinating, contentious history, but the agreement is that originally it was designed uh, by a woman named Lizzie Maggie. In 1903, she had the copyright for the game, and her game was called The Landlord's Game. And it was very similar to what we know of as Monopoly today, but she designed it with the intent of showing the government and people of wealth at the time, um, the problems with what a monopoly could do. She actually published it with two rules. One rule, um, rewarded, spreading the wealth around and having everyone be able to be successful and lift each other up. And the other rules kind of clarify, sort of similar to rules today, I think, where one person dominates all and they win everything. But the point was to show that, uh, the, de- the detriment of that happening, But which is kind of funny that that's the more popular one today that exists um, and then eventually uh, Charles Darrow played a similar game it became popular this is the longest history explanation I promised but I just got really fascinated by this anyway it became a very popular game that people would print and play or at least the equivalent of print and play at the time they would make their own home versions of this parlor game and uh, Charles Darrow ran across it at one time, with his friends, he liked the idea so much he decided to basically take the idea and file his own patent around it because there wasn't a patent on it, and uh, take it to market. And he became the first board game publishing millionaire because of this game. And there's a lot of contention about that. If you're interested, do some more reading about it because it's fascinating. But uh, that is pretty much the version we have today. Is his version uh, that he, he he didn't steal but kind of stole. <laughs> it's very. It's very Monopoly appropriate for the history of this game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's
1: anyway, a, it's suit fitting that uh, that that game has a cutthroat history. So. Yes,
0: a lot of backstabbing.
1: Um, all right, and that was uh, board game history with Yes. Cats. There we go. All right. Um, so what we'd like to do is kind of talk about a few games that uh, you could introduce to somebody who likes Monopoly, and these are games that ha- may have a similar theme, a similar vibe. Um, or similar mechanisms uh, that may be familiar enough to somebody um, that it's sort of the next step, sort of a gateway past Monopoly into um, sort of the meat of our hobby. And uh, my first recommendation uh, is a game called Stockpile, which is a wonderful stock market game. Um, It is... Something of, I've used this as a gateway game before for a uh, few people who've never played really any sort of modern board game so far, and uh, it, was, it, it went over pretty well. Um, it was not difficult to get them into, uh, the concepts were not super foreign, um, they were, uh, and, and it, it, this is a lot quicker game, obviously, and, uh, but it still kind of has that uh, everyone's in direct competition. But, and there's still a few take that elements as far as being able to, you know, I bid this much on this pile of cards and somebody jumps you and bids that much more and you're like, oh man, those are the cards I really needed. But, you know, I don't know if I really want to uh, to bid that much more because then you've got to jump over them. So then maybe you take some other pile. Um, but there's always, somebody always gets something. So it's not, it doesn't leave you in the same sort of despair that Monopoly can, um, but it's, it, I think it has a similar vibe. And I think that that would go over well, uh, with Monopoly players. Do you have any, suggest? So I have a couple more, but if, do you have any other,
0: um, you know, points? I, uh, for some reason I really struggled with this, but there's something about Monopoly. Uh, I have not played stockpile, but I, knowing of the game, that sounds like a spot on recommendation.
1: It's wonderful.
0: Um, yeah. And people love that game. It's, it's quite well. I uh, love it. My <laughs> wife loves
1: it. Well Everyone who's played it loves it.
0: Um, the only one I was going to think, uh, is going to say though, and this is one that's probably been said a lot, but so it's probably my weakest contribution to this list is, uh, Catan. And the only reason is, is I feel that it draw there's elements of it that are reminiscent of Monopoly. And if you liked Monopoly's, certain things about Monopoly's play, owning and expanding your empire to a degree, Catan's a simple and straightforward intro to not only modern gaming, but also it. Pull some of those elements into it. So I don't have anything that's a great one one to one cross.
1: Actually, that is a great one to one cross because I actually have that on my list as well. Uh, because I think in particular, it's the randomness of the die rolls. Yeah. In Monopoly, one of the things that you just learn to curse from get go is <laughs> your luck with these die. And same thing can happen with Catan. You can just get these weird rolls. That you're like, how did how did that person roll 12 three times in a row? Yeah, you know, that should literally statistically never happen. Yeah. Um. So it's, but it's not so random that it doesn't give everyone a chance. Um. The the one broken thing about Catan is if you play it too much, like if you're really one of those Catan like tournament all stars or something, um. You know, the game is won or lost in the first placement, um, the first two placements realistically. So there's two, generally two good spots on every board that are the best. And if you get one or both of those, then um, you usually have your way with <laughs> with the game. But uh, to, to anyone who's a casual Catan player, that's not normally the case. Um, but I, I think it, it has some of that randomness of Monopoly, but still may seem a little more fair. Um, yeah. But and it is still, yeah. you still are competing. You still are... Um, especially with the trading element right. uh, that can come along too, because you can trade in Monopoly. Um, so that's that's something that that translates really well. So actually, uh, realistically, that, that's a that's a great suggestion. Another one that I had is a game called Acquire, mm, which is an a, an older game and is actually probably, if you're talking link to link, maybe the closest modern board game to Monopoly it, it, it is older but um, it is that you know business you're trying to you know buy other businesses and, and ruin other people's businesses and it's <laughs> uh, so it, it, it has that kind of cutthroat sort of vibe that, that Monopoly can have um, again a little more fair I think than Monopoly and uh, I think that, uh, that, that that's a good one to one as well so those are those are our three suggestions. Uh, yeah. If you know somebody who's like, hey, you like Monopoly, I love Monopoly. Oh well, you know, have you thought? Let's let's sit down and play Stockpile or Catan or Acquire. Yeah, um, those are See, all like those. really good to evoke that kind of that vibe and not overwhelm people with new gaming concepts. There's nothing really in any of these games that is completely foreign to a Monopoly player.
0: Yep. I uh, I completely agree. So uh, next, let's jump into a game that I, uh, this is a game when I loved when I was a kid and wanted to play it all the time. And most of the time, no one wanted to play it because <laughs> they were sick of it. Uh, Clue. This is Clue. Mm. I loved Clue so much. Just the, I love the I sense too. of the mystery and like, at, it's just, oh God, everything about it. I was just fascinated with this game. And um looking back now it's it's fun to look at back the simplicity of this game compared to the games that we play today and but it has inspired tons and tons and tons of games so there's a lot to choose from but um quick history clue was developed by an englishman named anthony pratt he was a musician, and at the time, in the early 1900s, English parlor games, murder mystery games that you would play just around a room with people were very popular, and he just loved this. He had bad eyesight. He was uh, a very uh, creative person, though, and he so he wanted to develop a um, smaller version of this that you could play on a board, and he did, and then eventually it was picked up. That's the only game he ever developed, and he only ever published, but it became Uh, extremely popular, of course, in England and then over the entire world. So Uh, alternatives to Clue. So there's a direct one that is a fun inversion of the Clue game. In Clue, you're trying to solve the mystery of the murdered uh, millionaire, the murdered owner of the mansion. Oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Mr. Body? Mr. Body, yes. (laughs) I was like, what's the pun? (laughs) Uh, Mr. Body. And so as does Clue have this sort of tongue-in-cheek humor, uh, this game called Killing Dr. Lucky is the inverse reverse of that. You are all guests at the mansion again. However, this time, you are actively trying to murder Mr. Doc- or Dr. Lucky. And he is a sort of fumbling um, older man who has wronged each of you in individual ways. Your character cards are both male or female-sided, choosing depending on who you want to play with. And each side will have a little explanation of why you want him to be killed. And some of them are just insane. One of them's a paper <laughs> boy, and he hasn't paid his paper fees for a long time, and so you've had it. Um, they're just ridiculous explanations. So murder the obvious choice <laughs> so clear, there, right? So clearly murder is the first <laughs> solution that you jump to. Um, but anyway, Dr. Lucky sort of ambles around his mansion um, in a certain, there's a certain path that he will be able to take. You, our players, moving through the mansion as well and trying to find the right moment where you can finally end this torture and fi- get your revenge on Dr. Lucky. But there are uh, prerequisites: You can't be seen, have a line of sight for any other player. You've got to have a certain amount of um, car or certain the right cards to do it. Other players can throw out luck cards at you after you make an attempt, um, and they can offset your ability to murder Doctor Lucky. And so it's just kind of a fun, light version, a uh, flip of Clue, and feels a lot like Clue, of course. If it's heavily inspired by Clue.
1: Yes, yes. There's really two games out there that people historically. Uh, in our hobby, recommend to be very Clue-like, and Kill Dr. Lucky is absolutely at the top of that list. Uh, the other is a game called Mystery of the Abbey, mm-hmm. which is basically Clue, but in uh, an abbey, um, somebody has killed someone in the abbey, and you're all monks trying to solve the uh, the mystery there. Um, it Basically uses the Clue uh, mechanism, but adds uh, a couple extra layers on top. So it is a a meatier game uh, than Clue, so it doesn't always have that samey vibe to it. Um, That So Mystery of the Abbey and Kill Dr. Lucky would be two fantastic ones for people who like Clue, but are ready for maybe that next step, because both of those are good, solid... uh, modern board games that fit in our hobby very well
0: yeah one more i'd like to add too um if you're looking for a much uh keeping keeping in line with a bigger experience or a harder mystery um sherlock holmes consulting detective Mm, is a definite one if you really love mysteries then i would check out one of the sherlock holmes versions they are great well, they're kind of, once you play them, you've, you've played them, but each set, I believe comes with 10 mysteries to solve and that, that is several hours of play. So I would highly recommend that if you really are into the mystery solving part of it. it doesn't play like Clue, but it yeah. feels a lot similar what you wanted Clue to feel That's like.
1: That's probably more of an ex- experience. Yeah. Somebody who likes Clue, but is more into wanting kind of an experience game, a few yeah. hours that they can sit down and really, um. Meet it out. That that is uh, that is certainly a way to scratch the mystery itch for sure.
0: All right, what are we going to do next?
1: Um, next let's uh, let's hit up poker because everybody likes poker. All ah, right. right. You, I,
0: <laughs> I, I, I respect everyone's love of poker. It's a good game. It's just not my game. I just I think I've just had terrible poker experiences. Is what it is. Poker mm-hmm. has done horrible things to me.
1: My brothers and I did. Uh, we owned a poker company called Gator Hold'em. Uh, in Gainesville, Florida. And we would do, uh, we'd hold poker tournaments for at bars and restaurants and stuff. And also for like, um, we did a few uh, tenant appreciation nights uh, for big uh, apartment complexes where we would have, you know, big poker game. We, we owned a whole bunch of poker tabletops and cards, and we had uh, some students that we put through, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> poker dealer school, um, and got them quote certified <laughs> as That's dealers, great. as Gator Hold'em dealers. That's great. So poker is very, very near and dear to my heart. I absolutely love it, and probably would not be as into uh, board games as i am uh if not for
0: poker so i will say that every time i've been forced to play i've had a good time so (laughs) i think it's just more um the idea the uh i don't know some of some of the some of the people who are or right what is it there's that period where poker went through a real big popularity bump and a lot of the um uh what am i trying to say there was,
1: there was a lot of elitists yeah it's just and, a lot of like yeah.
0: get over yourself poker people it's a good game but chill out like yeah no anyway. I'm, I'm
1: i'm with you i'm i'm glad that it has settled into what it is now which is popular amongst the people it's popular amongst but it's not everywhere yeah um so i think the world went through a little bit of a poker burnout and i think it's sort of regulated itself now so it's still it's still popular with the people who like it but it's not in your face all the time right yeah so do you have a a i do it's pretty this will be a very
0: quick one we're we're all very familiar. poker as we know it today is an american game um, developed in the early 19th century very popular however it was inspired and i'll some would say, directly pulled from uh, the Persian game, a very ancient game called Asnas. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But um, as you might find out, and I did in doing a little bit of this research, Persia and India specifically uh, were the birthplaces of a lot of the modern games that we play today. That They were pulled out of these ancient, ancient games. So anyway, another example, but very much an American game. And uh, as we all know, heavily tied towards the development of the West in the United States.
1: Yes, and there are some good games that I think would intrigue uh, poker players in our hobby and get them more involved. Um, I'll start off with uh, with one thats uh, that I'd recommend. It's a two-player game. It's called Battle Line. And if you've ever played um, Lost Cities, which is a two-player game as well, uh, this is basically... W- poker lost cities uh, lost cities came second uh, it basically kind of took what battle line did and and did it a slightly different way but you have two people on opposite sides of the table you have piles of cards in front and you're winning those sections those uh, rows by playing the best poker hand behind them and uh, it's very very cool uh, i enjoy it a lot um, i sort of prefer uh, lost cities because it's a little less thinky i know that right what's that say about me <laughs> um but Battleline it'd be very intuitive for poker players it uses poker hands and uh is a good way to get uh to introduce a couple key mechanisms uh to poker players uh, to sort of expand beyond just this is my hand you know
0: yeah um, for me, I, uh, I really didn't, I kind of struggled poker. Um, I had, uh, I still haven't struggled with poker because <laughs> I didn't come up with a great one. All I can come up with, this is basically a pretty much straight run over a skull. Um, Ooh,
1: that that's on my list too, which yeah. is a
0: good game, but it's not. You know, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's it's a good uh, alternative. It feels very that it captures a lot of the poker feel, and it yeah. brings it to the table in a fun way. It's um, bluffing, which yeah,
1: and, and it's yeah, it's it's very very reminiscent of poker to me. It's uh, it kind of looks like you're playing with. um coasters
0: which you you are they're very Um, beautifully designed cards but they look like coasters, like just there for looking at not touching
1: (laughs) so um but it it uses bluffing it uses um a a lot of those it it has a very poker vibe to it so yeah i'm definitely on board with that um the third one on my list uh actually was uh i haven't played but you have Mm -hmm. and what your description of it sort of inspired me here and this is a quite a few steps past poker. Sure. Um, so maybe this comes after Battle Line or after Skull, but Doomtown.
0: Yeah. And that
1: uh, you do use... We'll mention it. Yeah, those mm-hmm. those poker hands to kind of sort of, like the suits to sort of build up poker hands uh, a little bit in, in some of that. So I think that that is a mechanism and a a vibe that sort of uh, is already familiar to poker players and it's all about familiarity isn't it yes i mean yeah. when you're when you're introducing somebody to the next step the next stage of evolution in, you know what have you the key is that you're not is that they they walk into it with some familiarity of where they are yeah you know you're not just putting something completely foreign you know oh you like poker let's play Zaya a drift system <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, it's, it's like poker in space, but with
0: no cards, and really not yeah, poker at all. <laughs> at all. yeah, It's completely different,
1: uh, but yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll love it. So, but, uh, yeah, Doomtown, you want to tell me a little bit yeah.
0: about... Well, I was going to say, uh, yeah, this one captures, it's not, like Bill was saying, it's not exactly um, a direct poker replacement, but if you really like poker and you like the history of poker, this game does an amazing job of capturing uh, a Wild West kind of... Um, experience and using poker so the the cards that are used in the game are poker suits and you're using poker hands to do gunfights with each other and you have basically your two different uh groups and settlers out in this dusty western town you're kind of jockeying for position in the, the town and trying to build up the town and then you have these encounters and the way the encounters are played out are through poker hands and but they have their unique spin on how those hands are played out but it's a familiar system to any poker player so i would recommend that to anyone who likes the history of poker for sure because it's a really well done game very fun and hugely hugely incorporates the poker system
1: yeah i'm looking forward to playing with, i was talking to kevin last night about possibly yes. playing that at some point yeah so.
0: we have to get a playthrough set up i'd love to jump in look to weasel my way into that as well because i would uh because it plays four, I think, up to four. That's what places, I heard, yeah. Like that. yeah. Um, all, right. all right.
1: So next on the list, how about chess? Chess, ah, yes. I got some
0: good ones for chess. <laughs> <laughs> chess was made by some kings long ago. End of history. Uh, actually, no, chess is one of those ones that dates back a long time ago. This is in Eastern India, actually, is the earliest version of chess, they think. Uh, circa 280 to 550. So it's a very, very old game, but the that seems to be the originating period and area of chess. Um, and then, uh, yeah, of course, it's been played... Played for eons since then. Um, so what do you have for chess? Okay. So my number
1: one for chess um, is, well, there, there's a few, but I'll uh, I'll put them in order that I thought of them. Uh, the first one's called Onitama. Yeah. And it is basically chess, yeah. <laughs> but you have um, much fewer pieces and, and you have these this set of cards that you cycle through um, that gives you uh, that you decide which pattern you want to use as far as which how you can move a certain piece. So um, it's it it's really really neat in that it's very familiar uh, to chess. It feels a lot like chess, and I played a lot of chess, and it has that that. Vibe where you're you are trying to capture the other person's um, great master or whatever or get into uh, their spot, um, but you're having to do so in this very roundabout ways, uh, kind of trying to match the patterns other people are making with the patterns that you can make, and uh, it's it's really neat. It's it's very inventive. Um, it's it's different every time, and it's not something that you can really prep for like you can chess. So just being, uh, Hey, I'm, it's the first time I'm playing this. If you think like a chess player, you're going to be competitive at this game. Right. Yeah. So, cause you can never prepare for every pattern and every combination of patterns. You just sort of have to have a good sense of strategy. And um, it, I think this would appeal very much to uh to chess players it's called onitama it's beautiful also yeah
0: i was just gonna say that it's the board and setup it's japanese obviously the name gives it away but it's a japanese um, art and theme and it's yeah it's very very beautiful i i love the like you said the variability of each playthrough it's a very light game so it's easy to teach um but there's strategy to it and of course it depends on your opponent um how well they're playing versus how well you're playing if you're going to win but yeah it's extremely engaging and i'd say probably captures chess the most <laughs> of any game that I can think of. Uh, my my suggestion for the list is a more advanced option or a more, um, I guess, uh, advanced is probably the way to put it. Uh, that's Hive. So Hive. Also on my list. Yeah, Hive is an interesting tile-laying game, and it is a game, the tiles, each of the tiles has a picture of some an insect of some sort on it or uh, an arachnid or something. Uh, and each one of those is going to have different powers, and you you slowly recruit them into your uh you recruit and play them into the game. The game builds in a fascinating way. There's no board; you're just adding tiles next to other tiles based on the rules of the game and what each individual tile does. But it feels very chess-like in intensity, in my opinion. I think if you want to get close to the chess experience with a different game, Hive is a great option to get there. It's a it's a game I enjoy. But it's a game, when I first played it, I was surprised at how intense the play was. I was Based on the art, I expected a it's lighter game. It's not a light game. It is not a light <laughs> it's game. It's a very heavy game. It's very intense, and which is not a bad thing. It's just not what I, I was expecting. Um, But if you like that, I think it's a perfect game. And I think it's worth trying for anybody because it does two things really well. It travels really well because it's these tiles that all fit in a bag. And it matches that experience of... Um, very contemplative head-to-head play in an abstract game, really well. And and the the abilities of the insects are just really cool. They're very they're very well designed.
1: Yeah, I agree that Hive is also on my list, so that's a great choice. Um, another option for chess players is a game called Santorini. Oh yeah, uh, which has a chess vibe because it's on kind of a chessy board, but you're building buildings and moving these uh, character pieces, uh, up and down buildings, trying to cap them off, trying to block other people from capping theirs off. And, um, there's different, uh, different power cards you can use. Uh, and so every game is very unique, feels very different. Um, but there's still that, that piece uh, like, just like with Onitama in that if you understand strategy and understand, spatial awareness, um, and think like a chess player, you'll be competitive at this game, yeah um so it it uses a lot of those same skills and requires a lot of those uh that same spatial awareness so um, Santorini is another suggestion I have for uh chess players looking to get into modern board gaming,
0: yeah, all right uh let's see how about we do uh, uh what about pictionary oh. I don't have
1: anything for Pictionary. All
0: right. I'm let's not
1: sure I know Pictionary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Pictionary is pretty straightforward. Basically, the game is you uh, try to draw. Uh, you find a word. Given a word, you try to draw the word and have your friends guess the word. It's very straightforward. Oh, okay. Um, I know that. I remember playing it as a kid. I really liked it as a kid. It was a fun. It's it's party game, I would say, versus what more of a strategy game. But there is a game that I think is a good um, inheritor of the Pictionary mantle. And that is, uh, Oh, real quick. Uh, Roger Angel, Canadian uh, American guy, 1985, he self-published Pictionary and just through the strength of will and a few friends, they developed Pictionary, uh, game publishing company around Pictionary and then they sold it. And it's a big game success story of uh, self-publishing
1: 1985. Yeah. I thought it would have thought it'd be older than that. I, hear I, I actually thought t- it I hear was Pictionary too. Yeah, and I think seven days.
0: Yeah, it was a, apparently it was a game that he uh, he and some friends would play uh, together at parties where they would just open a dictionary, find a word, and then try to draw it for each other. Huh. Um, so I'm not sure if it came before that. If I am, let me know. If I'm wrong, let me know. But uh, that's the that's the info I got. Um, but there's a game that I think is very fun that is about drawing. I know a lot of people shy away from drawing, but I think this game takes that. Hesitancy away, and that's called A Fake Artist Goes to New York. Uh, A Fake Artist Goes to New York is a really cool game by um, Oink Games. They publish uh, Deep Sea Adventure, a lot of small games in a small box. And the premise of the game is that. It's similar to Pictionary in that you all have a category on the table. Let's say it's animals, but then uh, the main player writes has a piece of paper and they write on the pieces of paper that they're going to give to each player a specific animal, let's say a lion, and then they hand those pieces of paper out, except one of those pieces of paper will just have an X on it. So someone will not know exactly what animal you're drawing, but everyone else will, but you'll all know you're drawing an animal. Then you go around the table. And one person starts and they draw part of the picture. And your turn basically is as soon as your pen hits the paper, your turn begins. And as soon as it comes off the paper, that's your turn. And you pass it down the line. And the goal of the game is the real artists are trying to figure out who the fake artist is. And the fake artist is trying to figure out what they're drawing. So when you're drawing and you know what it is, you're trying to help the drawing to show, yeah, I know what we're drawing. We're drawing a lion, but not too obviously so the fake artist can guess it. And the fake artist is trying to just draw something that's so abstract that that, yeah, I know we're drawing, we're drawing a blob and, but not too obvious that they don't know what it is they're drawing. Um, So it's really just a fun, silly game um, that uh, you can print and play this game as well. But uh, like I said, Oink sells a little cool little box for it. And uh, just, just a fun game that, that does drawing without the pressure of being a bad drawer. (laughs) If you're a bad drawer or feel you're a bad drawer. Well,
1: that sounds fun. I I would totally play that. Um yeah, I don't uh I don't have anything for Pictionary, but um I'll second that <laughs> that you said. All right.
0: Uh let's see. Should we jump into uh Yahtzee? Ooh, Yahtzee. That's a good one. I have a couple for that. All right. So Yahtzee traces way back to... The dice. Well, dice are ancient and have been long long used by humans to entertain themselves. Um, but Edwin S. Lowe, in 1956, published what we know as Yahtzee. And he was inspired by a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But he's the one that basically um, took the patent and took it to market and then uh, made, made some moolah off of it.
1: All right. Um, well, I'm going to... I'm gonna go with. Uh, I know which one you're gonna go with, which is probably <laughs> a better one. But um, just so I don't steal your thunder, I'm gonna go with uh, Elder Sign. Oh, okay. Which is a. Um, it's an Arkham Files game, so it's in the Fantasy Flight Arkham Horror series, uh, and it is basically Cthulhu Yahtzee with a lot of window dressing. Um, <laughs> if somebody somebody getting into this would immediately recognize dice placement, they'd recognize the re-rolls, they'd recognize, you know, all, all these things. So uh, it it would have that familiarity for somebody who really likes Yahtzee, but it actually gives context yeah. to Yahtzee, which I think is my biggest problem with Yahtzee in general, just a regular dice game, is there's not a lot of context to it. Yeah, uh, You're just like rolling dice, but why are you rolling dice in in elder sign you're rolling dice to kill monsters <laughs> save the world <laughs> so so yeah so i think it's uh it's it's more fun but uh, i think people who like yahtzee would would enjoy it
0: yeah, yeah, and Yahtzee's funny, too, because it's a mechanism that's been taken to a lot of games, because it's really good, but it's very abstract, <laughs> and yes. So, but if you put it into games, it works really well. The one Bill is mentioning that I'm going to mention now is King of Tokyo. I love this game. It's basically Yahtzee uh, with context as well, and that you are giant monsters destroying Tokyo. You can also get King of New York with the same scenario, similar scenario, Um, but you are rolling dice to basically destroy New York, but not only are you destroying New York, there's other monsters who are trying to get in on your game here, and you're trying to edge them out or attack them so they go away so you can have the city all yourself um so it's just yahtzee with the silly silly theme and uh giant japanese monsters um which is uh, hits all the marks for me so i really love that game yes
1: you can play king of tokyo with anybody uh, i I've, I've never met anybody who's like king of tokyo sucks uh, <laughs> just because it's it's fun it's just it's lighthearted. it's fun it's you can play it with kids uh yeah I think it's fun and satisfying to roll. Honorable mention is if you're trying to if you have a larger group, uh, which Yahtzee is usually pretty good for large groups. uh, One game that uses Yahtzee like mechanics um, is Bang the Dice game, and that is very easy to teach. It's very easy to get into. It's got a great theme. It's, uh, and obviously you've heard us talk about bang the dice game a hundred times. Um, but it does at its heart use a Yahtzee mechanism where you roll, pick a few that you want to keep, you re-roll and you can re-roll again. So it uses Yahtzee, but it's uh it's a fun interactive social deduction sort of, you know, kind of take that sort of fun game that uh, that takes Yahtzee into places that it has never been
0: before. <laughs> At the heights it's never reached. Yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd second that as well. That, that's a good good feel and satisfaction of the Yahtzee mechanic and mechanism, but uh, but in the Wild West. yeah, Seen through the eyes of an Italian designer, which is really one Every, of my favorite things about the game as well. Yes.
1: Everything's better in the Wild West. All right. Except for healthcare. I think that's <laughs> well, pretty that's mediocre true. In the Wild West, and, yeah. You know, yeah uh law enforcement apparently because you're like i'm your deputy no you're not wait what <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> What not you know just
0: ridiculously silly deputy's
1: new and down he came from you know what he looks they, like
0: are the outlaws and renegades wearing badges now or <laughs> they yeah. were very big on identification systems in the wild west it yeah. sounds like i guess so all
1: right so um it's uh the next one we could tackle would be be a
0: big one uh as well. I think uh, how about Risk? Okay, yeah, that's a great I'm surprised we haven't done that one yet, actually. Uh yeah, Risk would be great. Um Risk was designed by Albert Lamoris, uh a French filmmaker. And uh he was once again a prolific filmmaker in France doing small and larger films, and and he just I couldn't find much about the history of this, but apparently just sort of made a game all of a sudden, and uh, it was Risk. In huh. 1957, he filed the patent. So obviously, I think Risk was very inspired by the World World War II and the war and the uh, state of the world at the time. And but yeah, it just became pop locally like most of these games do. It Just became a local game, then caught on by Wildfire, and then pff, went all over the world and became one of the biggest selling games ever.
1: Yeah, Risk Risk is one when you tell people. Who like Monopoly, and uh, you say no? It's not that. It's it's heavy. We play heavier games like, um, and they say oh oh like Risk. That's the one that people think of yeah. like right up there with like Axis and Allies as okay. You play Risk, so so that means you're one of those really hardcore board gamers, right? Um, which is no longer the case. Uh, Risk is Risk was super inventive at the time. Uh, We owe wargaming in general, games in general, owe a lot to risk. Um, but it gets so long; it's broken by Australia. Um, right. Whoever owns Australia can turtle and win. It's mathematically, it's a thing. Um, but I think there, it, it introduced people to the concept of area control. Yeah, uh, which is huge in our hobby. There's, it's, it, it plays small parts in so many different games. Um, when I personally think of the next step for Risk players into a game that is, uh, uses that area control but also isn't broken or super-duper long um, but is going to be familiar, uh, I immediately think of Small World.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, for sure.
1: So I think that people who have played risk who have fond memories of risk who're like, oh yeah I was a big risk player in high school well you know let's why don't we sit down and play some small world and you can you can kind of get that maybe scratch that risk itch um, because we're still you've got all this familiarity of the um, the area control piece but it you're learning some other new mechanisms as well that will serve you well in this hobby
0: yeah. And it's got, it's yeah, it's a great transition because it's got just crazy art. It's beautiful game. It's got all these fun character powers, and the fact that it's also very unique in the fact that you um, basically kill off your the the creatures that you're playing with to get new creatures, and you know, it's uh, it's yeah, it's a great. Jump point from Risk to uh, modern gaming. Um, I was gonna suggest another one, which is my. There's a ton of dudes on the map games that have been inspired by Risk, but my favorite, I would say, is Kemet, and I've talked about it before. But also on my list. But I think it does it very, very well, and does something that Risk that I, when I, my plays with there's a guy complaining about in that it becomes turtling the game versus fighting the game, or um, battling the game. And Kemet is the opposite, where you are flung at each other with and that's the joy of it it's just joyous violence <laughs> towards each other <laughs> in an Egyptian theme which I also really love so I think Kemet is a, a satisfying transition too um it's a, a small world it's not uncomplicated by any means but I would say it might be a little bit more to get into because Kemet's power tiles that you buy there's a lot of them and you kind of want to familiarize yourself at least a little bit before you play or while you're playing um there's a lot a little more information you need to get it once in Kemet. Um, yeah, but, I think uh, I
1: think Kemet would be a step, like Small World would be step one, Kemet would be step two. Yeah, sure. Um, I think you could also use a step two, uh, one of on my list, which is Blood Rage. Oh, sure, yeah. Which obviously we've talked about in yeah. depth. <laughs> the two games um, in one. <laughs> right, but uh, it it is very much at its core. It is an area control game. Um, it has fighting that actually uses a fairly similar fighting mechanism uh, to risk. If you can overpower your opponent, then you win. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, it uses a lot of those same familiar mechanisms while introducing a lot of new things too, like, uh, like card drafting and stuff like that. So um, an individual player powers and things like that that uh, are really handy to have uh, in modern board gaming
0: yeah also a great one um i will say actually if you are someone who's never played risk and i have one suggestion if you want the experience the what risk is all about and why everyone loved it or loves it and but you're also not sure if you want to get into those bigger games i would suggest eight minute empire eight minute empire is a ryan Laucat game um and uh he Low cat. That's how I pronounce it. I love that. It. No, it's cat It'll never not be Laukat. Um, we'll uh, get
1: him on the show, and he can
0: <laughs> he can correct us. I don't care if he does. I'm, I'm pronouncing it that way. He's gonna have to change it. Um, He uh, has uh, two versions of this game. He's got the original, and then he has one called Legends. And they're a little different, but they're basically the same thing. And it's a territory control game in a very short period of time. But it's just surprisingly engaging for such a small, basic game, and it really captures the feel of what territory control is. I really like the game. It's a great sort of in-between games or get Game Night started game. So that uh, that would definitely scratch the itch or kind of introduce you to territory control in modern games. if uh, if you don't want to do a full playthrough of risk or something more complicated
1: oh yeah absolutely I, I agree hundred um, percent and this would be even for hardcore risk players if they wanted something they could do in it's not eight minutes it should be like 20 minute Empire but um, yeah <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it, this would be a good one that they could sit down and bust out and it, it kind of scratches that itch uh, I prefer the two I prefer legends mm-hmm. uh, might just be because I played it a few more times but uh, both very very good. My last recommendation, I have a lot for Risk. Yeah, Risk. Uh, My last recommendation is a game called Mission Red Planet. Oh, okay. And it, uh, at its core, is uh, you are shipping people off to Mars, and Mars has different areas, and you're trying to have the most of your people in an area. So um, you learn a lot of other things besides just straight up Um, area control Uh, so there's there's uh, hand management and there's different cards that uh, you have to play and in order to set up this mission to get your guys to Mars so it's kind of like two phases in one it's all the setup and launch and then it's the uh, area control piece on Mars Um, but it's it's fairly easy to get into it's simple to explain I've used this as a gateway game before with uh, fairly new gamers And so there's nothing super out of the ordinary, and if you already understand um, area control and what goes along with it, uh, then I think that this really becomes a no-brainer. So that's Mission Red Planet. It's it's a very immersive experience. It's a very pretty game, and the, the theme is awesome
0: yeah i've not played this one i um i really want to because they did was it a year or two ago they did a, a second edition or something or a reprint yeah they did uh it's like two or three years ago i got okay, it yeah. yeah
1: i got it right when the second edition came out
0: yeah so that's and that's the one that i have i heard it's pretty much the same game but they did a few little tweaks to improve some complaints of the original Yeah, but the card
1: numbering they changed from ascending to descending um and, and a, f- a few little things like that stuff, that actually yeah. make it, make more sense. Uh, they also added a lot of art that uh, it's, I think it's hands down a better experience, but.
0: Cool, yeah, I, I, this is one I'd really like to play because I hear it discussed here and there all the time. Um, all right, let's see, do you want to do, do you have anything for life? Uh, I have one game for life. Um, it's a little bit of
1: a disconnect, but uh, you want to give <laughs> life, us our is life, life, life is harder. Life is hard for me too. Actually, it yeah, was hard
0: to uh, was, yeah. Well, life is life is the Milton Bradley game. Milton Bradley in eighteen sixty uh, was a he had a printing monopoly where he was. So he had like the only printing press or um, uh, lithograph machine. I'm not sure exactly the machine he had, but the, he was the only one around who had it. And uh, a funny story: he almost lost all of his money when in during around lincoln's election because he was um printed up all of these lithographs of lincoln without a beard but then lincoln grew a beard and he was unrecognizable (laughs) he'd printed up thousands of these things and he was going to sell them but then lincoln grew a beard and he was almost unrecognizable and people thought like who's this who's this guy um and he almost lost his money but he was inspired by that situation to develop this board game called the game of life, which is about his ups and downs as a business person. And, uh, it caught on once again, like wildfire. And this is basically what he made his fortune on and started, you know, his board gaming company. So, uh, yeah, life is the game that made, uh, Milton Bradley, a board gaming in name.
1: All right. Well, um, the one I have is I actually got on Reddit and I talked to a bunch of people, uh, hardcore board gamers, and said, hey, what uh, what's another game similar to life? Like, what would you recommend as, like, a step up from somebody who loves life? And um, the one consistent answer I got was a game called CV, mm-hmm. um, which is basically, it's a resume. Yeah, okay. um, and it's a Dyson card game where uh, you lead your character through their entire life. Uh, you make choices about friends, relations, jobs, activities, Um, I'm reading from the description, official description of the game. Uh, Everything is possible. A dream job, new relationships and skills. You can be whoever you want, which really just sounds just like life. Um, But this is a a more complex game, obviously. Uh, But it's uh, certainly one that I think lines up with the theme uh, I don't think yeah. the mechanisms. I have another one, an honorable mention, which I think lines up a little more to the mechanisms, um, and that is gizmos. Oh, interesting. In that, I think uh, with uh, with gizmos, it's you're kind of building. It, it's an engine builder, which I feel life kind of is at its. Absolute core. Sure, yeah. Um, you're building this life. So with Gizmos, you're building uh, an engine that all sort of affects each other and everything. It's simple enough that I think somebody can uh, get into it with its fairly low barrier of entry, um, but it's still lighthearted like life. Um, it's, you know, you're uh, drafting these marbles and things like that. So I think that would be. Um, an interesting uh, pairing. If somebody's like, "Hey, I really like Life. Uh, what do you recommend?" And I would, I would sit down. I think they
0: would enjoy Gizmos. I do. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, what I have for Life is I have another game that I have not played, but I did doing my research as well. I've found Life really hard to find an alternative or a direct correlation today. Um, but this is another game that sounds similar to CV that is a stronghold game it's called the pursuit of happiness i i
1: somebody a couple people mentioned that i didn't i never played i've never played it
0: yeah i've never played it myself but just in doing the reading about it it's like yep this is kind of in line with what life is which is basically starting and developing your life and it's the same it's the same premise you're kind of living your life and making decisions that are going to impact you in one way or the other um the goal of life is to become a millionaire. Basically, <laughs> this game is to be happy and satisfied. So I like that better than the <laughs> message that life is implying. But um, but it, it sounds it, very similar. Isn't being a theme. millionaire, <laughs> the, the
1: key to being successful oh, and happy alive. Oh. I guess I don't know. I've um, never been one.
0: I hope to be someday and then I'll let you know. Uh, But I would say also the one I did the same thing. I kind of thought that one's theme. I'm not sure how it plays, but I'm assuming it's similar in feel. But uh, gameplay wise, the way I kind of approached it is I thought life is a game in that old game board style of you're following along a track. And it does it surprisingly well for an older game of having divergent options to pursue in a basic way. Um, so I thought actually a, a Clank would be a similar feel hmm. where you're choosing to follow certain tracks and each track has benefits and negatives. And you yeah. kind of have to find your path to success. And then in Clank, you have to find your path back through success <laughs> or back, back through to realize every th- all the gains you've gotten and get off that ship or the out of the cave, as it were. So um, I thought Clank would probably be similar feeling in play in play at least totally different theme, but yeah,
1: I, I could see that. I could say that there's beat some familiarity there. Uh, yeah, the theme, not even close, but yeah, as far as the, the way the game cycles, it, it seems like that uh, makes sense. Yeah. Sure.
0: Similar choices that you have to make yeah. uh, plus or minor or positive or negative choices. And in the, it in the felt like, um, let's see last. Should we do one more? And then, uh, we've got, sorry. Um, what else could we do?
1: Um, I've got, uh, Stuff for uh, Cards Against Humanity or Scrabble, Stratego, Mankala. We can run through these really let's quick. Let's do these real quick. Okay. I'll,
0: let's, uh, I'll do sorry real quick just to get, it read, get through it. I've got the last history with Sari. There's actually not much. Sari is based around an ancient Indian game called Pachisi. It's actually the National Game of India. Uh, and an English guy, William, William Henry Story, uh, just was like, "That sounds like a great game. I'm taking it to England in 1926, I think." And then he was like, "Okay, now it's mine, and I'm going to develop this." <laughs> Harump. And huzzah! Um, my alternative to this is uh, there's a there's a bunch because in my opinion, I think Sorry feels the most to me like a racing game where you're kind of trying to get through as quickly as possible before anyone else can get through quicker than you. So it feels to me, at least at its core, that it's sort of similar, at least to my, in my feel to uh, racing games. So there's one game that I play a lot. That's a simple game. It's not even close to the theme of this, but the the feel of it and the way in Sarah you can negatively affect players and bump them back to the start and be like, aha, you've got to start that guy over, is a Titan Race. Titan Race is a little game um, that is just a very silly little racing game. It feels like Mario Kart on a board to me. You have these pieces that are uh, cartoonish versions of titans or uh, mythological creatures you've got a yeti you've got a cthulhu-like creature um, you've got a um, a pirate crazy kraken type guy and anyway you're racing these guys across these game boards these different scenario maps but you have power-up cards that you can uh, throw attacks at each other and bump each other around Um, you're trying to knock each other off the tracks or kick them into lava or slide them across the ice. It's just a fun, silly racing game. And, um, it has that take that mechanism that sorry does, but not as cruel as sorry can be (laughs) in the fact that you can just be, uh, kind of totally made to start over at a point in the game. If you happen to land in the incorrect place based on card draws. So that's my, uh, my alternative to sorry.
1: Okay, well, I sort of went a slightly different direction, um, and uh, mine's probably not even close. But I think of sorry as much more of a take that game than I do necessarily a racing game. So I sort of went uh, another direction and decided on uh, a game called Ice Cool, which you own. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a penguin flicking game, and you can flick other people's penguins, and uh, you can really mess with the people and um you it's can be kinda cutthroat. It can also uh it's obviously at its core a kids game, but it's kind <laughs> of a kids take that game and I've seen grown ups have just as much, if not more fun with it. Yeah. So um that can be a fun social introduction to, you know, uh especially to um dexterity type of game. So um that's that's sort of my i can see that yeah i can
0: see that for sure because that's got us lighthearted, but it's there's ups and downs for sure that there is take that there but it feels very lighthearted and it's fun oh it's just so fun to flick around those little penguin things (laughs) it's just satisfying yeah so all right should we run through the last few we got so um sure um if you have
1: uh i'm gonna bust out real quick if you have People, friends who are big just card games. Hey, I just like card games, like trick-taking games. Uh, I play hearts or I play mm-hmm. spades. Um, a fun one is uh, a fox in the forest. Mm. So I've heard it's uh, I've heard really really good things about it. It does uh, a lot of really really cool inventive things with trick-taking. So um, look that one up. That's uh, that'd be a good one I think to get people out of just regular old cards and into uh, more modern type card games.
0: Yeah. I would also second, uh, one of our faves parade there is a nice mm, yeah. spin on. It's not exactly trick taking, but it kind of is, <laughs> but it, it, it's got it's a lot of the feel of, of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it,
1: it feels like a trick taking. Yeah. It game. feels like it for yeah.
0: sure. So I would say parade's another good alternative. but I've also read Fox and the Force is yeah. amazing. Um,
1: if you have friends who are really into, uh, cards against humanity, um, I'm sorry. Uh, uh
0: We're not disparaging, not disparaging this episode. We're
1: not. I've played played Cards Against Humanity a hundred times. It just, it does get old after a little while. Um, But uh, as far as fun party type games, I'd recommend Dixit, which uh, Kaz has recommended quite a few times. I think it has that same sort of feel in that people are sort of competing together to get somebody to guess a certain thing uh, without, and, and you can still play Dixit with children instead unlike cards against humanity which i guess you could play with children but you'd probably go to jail if you don't go to jail you probably (laughs) deserve to be in jail um but dixit's a fun alternative if you like the that style of game uh and want to play it with the family or with kids um dixit's a good one uh what's another one you got
0: uh i was gonna say if you want sort of the if you want dixit I, i think is a great it's a similar feel uh But if you like the crudeness of Cards Against Humanity, I think a more longer lasting game for me is the game called Joking Hazard. So this is a game uh, by the comic creators of the comic Cyanide and Happiness. And if you've ever seen that comic, you know it's very, (laughs) very insane. And uh, definitely not for kids, but it's really funny. Um, So the premise of this game, it's similar to to Cards Against Humanity where you're each laying down cards or you're trying to create sets to um, match a card that's been laid down. Um, But this is you are making a comic strip when your hand of cards is a comic strip. Some of them have words. Some of them don't. Some of them are just uh, actions or people doing stuff. And it's just so you're making a short strip of comic, a short comic strip together. And um, I have had... More consistent fun that with this one in that type of gameplay um, than uh, Cards Against Humanity. I, when I had Cards Against Humanity I had a moment. It's a moment for me, but I am definitely at the point where I'm just like, ah, I'm. I don't know. I'm done with kind of done with that game, and I appreciate sure that people like it, but it's like. It, it's sort of a shock value game, and once you're kind of done with that, it's it's uh, doesn't have a lot of replay value. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah, I've played Joking Hazard a few times too. I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it's just um, silly and it, it can be crude. It is. It can be crude, but it can also well, it can just mostly be crude. Um,
0: <laughs> I do think there's a little more room for creativity not being crude in this game. That um, is about being crude. Don't get me wrong. Right. But uh, there is a little bit more where you can just create hilarious scenarios that aren't as one note as. um right cards against humanity can be if
1: you also want a little bit of crude in a party game you could do uh like code names uh, undercover deep undercover, oh sure or whatever yep. it's the adult version of code names which is is super fun um how about um scrabble where you said paperback
0: Yes, that's your game. Yep. so
1: I'll let you to describe that for a minute. Yeah,
0: just paperback is a good Scrabble alternative. It's um, it's a card drafting game, but with uh, spelling words instead of uh, instead of fighting. You know, like Dominion. Um, like it's basically Dominion with uh, spelling words. <laughs> if you know how to play Dominion, it's card drafting game, and it takes the the powerhouse scrabble players are ones with a large vocabulary or a really nailed down understanding of the two little words that scrabble lets you um i cheats the wrong word but uh fudge scrabble in in my opinion uh cards are uh not cards gets humanity uh paperback allows you to really use words based around the point scoring uh it doesn't necessarily have to be a big word if you can keep spelling a four-letter word again and again and again to get points that's a valid gameplay option so i just think it's a good option for people who are a little intimidated by spelling games or scrabble like games but scratches that scrabble itch of a word development game
1: cool um if you like mancala there's lots of mancala based games uh five tribes is the most advanced one that jumps to mind uh might be a little uh a little deep for a little heavy for just a Regular old um, getting into the hobby. But um, if they're getting into it in other ways and they like and understand Mancala, that's a good choice for them there. Um, Stratego. There's a game by Emperor S4, games called Shadows in Kyoto. They're the ones that do Hanami Koji. Uh, this is a two-player game, Shadows in Kyoto, that uses a Stratego um, mechanism, basically, where they've got meeples that have numbers underneath them. and um, it's it's They've added some more layers to it, so it's a little... Uh, it's not just a Stratego ripoff, but it's a smaller scale, and it's got a few extra things tossed in there. So it very much... Is kind of a no-brainer for people that uh, are into stratego. That's a good one for them, and that's really like my list. Yeah, games and recommendations.
0: Well, yeah, and that's that's that'll do it. But I think, um, yeah, like we said, we really wanted to have a list where it's more like you know. We have certain opinions about older games and the fact, especially since we're in the hobby, that they've become outdated and are, there's so many better options. But it's also the thing where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, take that interest and segue it. So hopefully one of these games is something that you haven't played before and you'd like to try or you could recommend to a friend um, who isn't familiar with board games and uh, is has a lot of fond memories of childhood plays of Monopoly or... Um, Stratego? <laughs> I guess that's more of an older kid game, but uh, yeah. but still, Stratego is, is hugely or... popular yeah. and remains so, actually. Or Clue or anything. So um, that's the exciting thing about this hobby is that there are so many, there's so much direct inspiration you can follow back decades and decades and decades. And there is a lot of respect for the earlier games that make it what it is today or have been have been keeping the hobby alive and growing it for years and years and years. So hopefully one of these works out for you guys and uh let us know what your thoughts are any alternatives that we might have missed or um any games that you feel you're struggling with to find an alternative with that's a a fun little exercise for us to to wonder about that or maybe we could bounce some ideas around with you so let us know what your thoughts are and if you'd like to get a hold of us the the way to get a hold of us is through twitter or instagram um on roasted with roasted games one
1: and uh you can also uh look us up on Facebook, just look up Roasted Games, uh, and you can email us at roastedgamesco at gmail.com. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the message in general here is just let's let's stay positive with um, with people who uh genuinely show some interest, but they just don't. They don't know the lingo. Yeah, you know, if if I didn't know any better, and somebody said we we I've been playing board games, I'd be like, oh, uh, the first things I'd think of, oh, Risk, Monopoly, Clue, uh, because I didn't know any better. Right. And it should not exclude anyone, and it shouldn't be a negative thing, and you shouldn't embarrass anybody. And so let's let's keep this positive. Let's bring people like that into the hobby. Let's show them what we have. Let's show them what's possible. And uh, and and that's how a hobby like this grows, and that's what gives us listeners. That's what gives us great games. Mm, yeah, that's what gives us inspiration to design games. So um, that's uh, it. Again, sorry if that came across uh, <laughs> as overly negative last episode. That was not certainly not our intention. We were trying to just get an idea of how you handle uh, things like that. So.
0: One of the most, Bill and I have both talked about this experience and had this experience and anyone who's been gaming for a while, one of the most satisfying things is to intro a game to someone or get someone into the hobby for the first time and have their eyes alert. You can see them like, holy God, this is amazing. There's a whole world like, here is, that I've never seen yeah, before. This is, yeah. this is something that I've been missing and I didn't even know. So those are uh, exciting experiences to have and we definitely want to be welcoming for sure. Absolutely. Together we are legion, everyone. They can only make us stronger. Oh dear. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us, uh, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys on the next one. All okay, right. See ya.